Hey there, good people. Welcome to Visiting Hours, a Northern Health podcast offering an opportunity to learn a little about the lives, work, and dreams of our Northern Health family. My name's Steve, and I'll be your concierge behind the curtain. Come on in and join us for Visiting Hours. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. We pay respects to their elders past, present, and future, embracing their rich tradition of conveying information and ideas through stories and song by sharing our stories with you. We're visiting today with a nurse practitioner with years of experience in neonatal critical care. She's an avid baker with dreams of one day opening a shop in the country, but ultimately she's a compassionate spirit wrapped in clinical excellence. Danielle Cook, welcome to Visiting Hours. Thank you so much for having me. Why don't we get started by just letting the people know uh, what it is exactly that you do at Northern Health. Beautiful. So I'm a neonatal nurse practitioner. Uh, I work here at the Northern Hospital neonatal unit. My role is quite a big one. It sort of is in two parts. I do a lot of clinical work, but I do a lot of supportive stuff and education outside of the hospital. So mainly my clinical role is the nursing and medical management of neonates outside the neonatal unit. So they're babies in the maternity ward, babies in delivery suite or, or theatre. I also attend all the high-risk deliveries. So any of these are the babies and the mums that we've sort of determined that need some potential paediatric support. And I'm really there as a resuscitation lead in case babies have some issues transitioning. Outside that, um, if the world is under control, then I generally will go to the neonatal unit and just help the paediatric team with anything they need, whether that's ward rounds or discharges or admissions or procedures. I do a lot of procedural work as well with our babies here. Okay. And then twice a week, I help run a clinic called the Neonatal Rapid Review Clinic. Uh, and that's myself and a couple of paediatricians. And so we do that twice a week uh, on a Monday and a Thursday. And that's really just to touch base with babies who need that more early review once they've been discharged from the hospital. So after COVID, like a lot of clinics, they've all blown out. There's a lot of wait times. So this really just allows us to see a baby after they've been discharged or whether they've come through ED and not really needed to be admitted, but we think they need to be seen by somebody. Um, we can bring them into the clinic and we can do a quick 30-minute review. Awesome. And then on top of that, we provide a service at, um, and it was really to help us link with Kilmore District Health um, and to help provide uh, a telehealth service with the team up there. So the midwives can call through to our hospital 24 hours a day and they'll either get myself or one of the neonatologists on the phone. And that's really for non-urgent neonatal concerns. So anything that's not life-threatening, it's not acute, not a really sick baby, they can call us, we can do video conferences, we can take phone calls, they send me pictures of rashes, you know, anything they really just want to know. <laughs> Um, and so that's a service we provide 24 hours a day. So that's been going on for the last, I think it's about 18 months now. And then outside of my clinical work, I do a lot of education. And I think that's a really big key role of the nurse practitioner. I do a lot of study days here in the hospital. We do neonatal resus, so basic and advanced life support here in the hospital. Uh, I do a lot of work with the obstetric doctors when they start, because a lot of them, particularly the residents, have never really dealt with babies before. So we do a lot of work just teaching them what a newborn baby looks like, what's normal, what's not, how to recognise the difference. And then externally, I do a lot of work with the local councils. So we do study days with the maternal and child health nurses at Whittlesey. I go to Kilmore at least once or twice a year and teach the midwives up there just some common newborn conditions. And then in the last couple of months, I've started working with the Paediatric Emergency Nursing course, which is an external 
private sort of education provider um, and did a study day there here in Melbourne. And then I'm heading to Brisbane next year. They've asked me to come back and oh, teach wow. again next year. So it's big. It's a lot of work. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> talking about it. It's made me tired. So um, there's a lot to my role. Have you always known that you wanted to get into nursing? Uh, so nursing, no. No, I left high school with no real clue on what I wanted to do. And my mother used to drive my mother crazy because I'd jump from one thing to the next. And, you know, I went from wanting to be a vet to being a fighter pilot to being a pharmacist to, you know, so she really just didn't know what, what, what on earth I was going to end up doing. So I took a year off, took a gap year and then went into nursing after working with a nurse in a pharmacy who I thought was pretty cool and I thought that like, sounds like a really good job to do. So I went off and did my nursing degree, was convinced I was going to work in adults, was started in cardiothoracics um, at the okay. Alfred Hospital here in Melbourne. Yep. And then I knew I wanted to get in critical care but didn't quite know how that would work. So the Royal Melbourne ICU had a job going and the Royal Women's Neonatal Intensive Care had a job going. So I flipped a coin and went into neonates and that's it. Wow. And I've been there since 2005, 2006. So I think it's nearly 19 years now. So we're coming up to it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Figuratively or literally? Literally. Yeah. Literally <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Coin. So I've yeah. been, yeah, literally flipped a coin. Yeah. 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 Wow. I had no clever decision making ideas there. It was just, <laughs> I don't know what to do. Sometimes the things are the best, though, aren't they? Then? I think take the you know, decision out of my hands and just let the fate decide what I was going to wow. do. So. And I've, yeah, I can't imagine myself dealing with anyone else now, so. <laughs> no, it's meant to be. From a work perspective, you're juggling so many different things, but what do you do outside of work to de-stress and to, to relax? Um, I will admit I'm not the best at, I guess, making the conscious decision to de-stress, which my husband will attest to because I'm, you know, he's the one that cops my ranting and raving and, you know, um, the <laughs> But tears. that's part of the process as it well It is, anyway, yeah, just so, getting yeah. it out. He's a yeah. very good listener, yeah. so um, he's always a person I can talk to, but... I think during COVID when it, you know, obviously every healthcare worker was just so stressed um, at work, at home, never knowing what was going to happen, um, I had to make a really conscious decision to figure out some way of de-stressing. Yep. Uh, so I got into podcasts. I listened to okay. podcasts to and from work. Yep. Um, I drive home's about 40 minutes, so it's a good podcast length. Um, I'll listen to some of these podcasts <laughs> to get, see what I was getting myself into. Yep. Um, and that's just a way of just tuning off, just tuning out, tuning it off and being able to get home, get out of work mode, into home mode. Yep. So a couple of podcasts. Um, I've gotten back into the gym, which um, about three days a week I try and hit gym or that's at least good. do a home workout just to get some weight-bearing exercise in. Nice. Um, and otherwise... We do about a 5K walk every night. So the kids get on their bikes with my husband and we just walk wow. through our estate. So there's a really nice walking track around us. So that just gets us outside. The kids can run off their energy before bedtime. <laughs> I can just rant and rave to my husband while we're walking. So we're getting a bit of energy. Yeah, so there's a bit of processing through that as well, like the chat going backwards and forwards as yeah, well. Absolutely. As you're, as you're and talking. And then the last thing I do is I bake. I, I bake and I bake and I bake lots of yummy things <laughs> and I bring them to work so my colleagues can eat them and have the calories and I don't. So, I was yeah. going to say, does that, is that counteracted by the gym and the, the walking yeah, that absolutely. you actually do? It's so all it's about a, balance. balance. So that's, yeah. that's the most important part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> could you see yourself being a baker full time? Oh, like you, yeah. you, you enjoy it so much that you yeah, could yeah. do it, do you think? I've always said that if I won Tats Lotto and it would be a big amount of money, it's got to be a good size bit of money, 
that my bosses would get a nice email tomorrow morning saying, thank you, but I'm out and I'm going to go and buy my bakery and I'm going to, you know, bake pastries and bread and get fat and old. Be great. (laughs) (laughs) And share the love while you're doing it. Absolutely. Um, Have you got a favourite recipe? Is there something that you enjoy cooking the most or is maybe there's a hard one that the kids have pulled on you? Mum, can you make one of these? Um, I don't come, I mean, my... My mum was not a great cook or a baker. She'll laugh at I said I've said this. Um, but my dad's mum, my nan, she was a she was the old fashioned cook. So she did the sponges and the apple pies yeah. right from scratch, you know, with the lard and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. she had a lot of good baking recipes, which I've inherited, which and, is great. And all up here, rather all yeah, up yeah. in her head. Yeah. Yes, you know, I've read her recipes, and it's a pinch of this and a sniff of that, and I'm like, what does that mean, nan? <laughs> I don't know what that means. You need to give me numbers. So. Um, I don't, have, I don't think I've got a favourite, but I do have a couple of nemesises. I'm not sure what the correct <laughs> yes. word is. Nemesi, nemesis. Um, uh, during COVID, I joined the sourdough revolution. Oh, okay, yes. And I thought, I'm going to join it. I'm going to make my own bread. Yep. Kids love it. I've not successfully made one yet. <laughs> um, I have not successfully even got to the starter point where I've made a successful starter. Um, and my... I did get one that was almost getting there and then I gave very clear instructions to my husband when I was at work. I said, you know, feed it this much, put it somewhere warm, you leave it alone. He took that literally and put it on top of the heat vent and it bubbled and it boiled oh, and it no. killed the bacteria in my starter. Oh, no. So I got so far and then that was it. So sourdough is out. I buy sourdough now, but I'm, I've done with that. Um, I've tried macarons. They're another thing. God help, I don't know how anyone makes those little things. That yeah, They look so innocent and they're just a disaster every time. They're evil inside. <laughs> um, and a chocolate pav. So I have a very good chocolate pavlova, okay. but it's a 50-50 chance whether it's going to be a pav or just a chocolate brownie <laughs> that looks like a very like, hard Like brownie. a coin toss. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you know, the whole family enjoys it. Your husband enjoys your baking. Oh, yeah. He, he's, uh, I call him, he's the master chef Matt Preston of my house. Okay. So he's the critic. He's uh-huh. the one that often when I'm baking, so he's usually the dish pig, so he's the one that cleans up after me when I'm baking, um, and he's my taste tester. So he's the one that I usually will, you know, shove a spoonful of something into his mouth and say, here, taste this. Is yeah. this too salty, too vanilla-y? And he'll give you an honesty. Oh, yeah. yeah, he, yeah. He's very honest. He's not afraid to give me a good honest opinion. And anything I make, I have to ensure I've got a little portion aside that's for the boys and for my husband because if they find out I've been baking (laughs) and my colleagues have been eating it and they didn't get an opportunity, we're in trouble. So (laughs) You've been baking behind my back. I have to have a little, you know, a little batch of brownies at home that's just for the boys, so. Yeah, and it's really special when you've got that kind of relationship too and and I guess being able to bounce off things with each other as you're walking and, and, you know, having that honest relationship where you can say the truth to each yeah. other as well is is really kind of uh, special. Where did you where did you meet your husband? So we met via online dating before it was cool, before you swiped right or left or whatever you do now. I don't <laughs> know what it is. So we met. Ooh, you've tested me now. It's about fifteen years ago. Online dating. I was a shift worker. He was a disability shift worker as well, a support mm-hmm. worker. So you know, as a shift worker, you don't get a chance to go out and party and meet people. So we met each other online and he was just someone who I could talk to for hours and he made me laugh and the conversations were easy. And it was just, it was just one of those things where we knew 
So we moved in three months later. We got engaged six months later. Wow. And we were married at 18 months and we've been together ever since. So, yeah, yeah it was that's, quite a whirlwind. That's so awesome. And, and the thing, that's the thing, like when you know, you know. You know. As well. And and obviously having that um, that starting point of, you know, uh, chatting or emailing or, or yeah. calling backwards and forwards initially. And, you, you, yeah. like you said, it's somebody that's easy to talk to, somebody that you can get along with. And, I mean, that's that's more than half the battle. Yeah, and um, he always said, you know, if you know, why wait? You know, let's get on with it. We're visiting today with Danielle Cook, Northern Health's neonatal nurse practitioner. Stay with us to find out the lessons she learned when the tables were turned and Danielle became a patient herself, and what really lies at the heart of clinical excellence. What's the kindest thing someone's ever done for you? So I think the one thing I can think of is, so last year I got a little bit unwell and I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And I had to go into hospital to have a sort of a procedure done. <clears throat> and in hindsight, it, it wasn't a big procedure. But outside of having my babies, I've never been in hospital and I've never been on that side of things. And, you know, it was still at the tail end of COVID and my husband couldn't be there. Um, so I had to go in and I was just terrified. And I had this wonderful nurse come and sit, sit down with me. And she sort of, you know, was, she was taking care of me for the day and she said to me, how are you feeling? And I just burst into tears. And I said, I don't know why I'm crying, but I said, I'm just so nervous. I don't, I don't, I know this, I know myself, this is a very normal procedure, but I'm just terrified. Mm. And she went out of her way to go and get the anaesthetist to come and have a chat with me. And he made sure that, you know, I was going to get the good stuff and I wouldn't <laughs> know what was going on and I would never remember any of this and, uh, and it would all be really painless. And, 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 um, and then she got my gastroenterologist to come down and she spoke to me again and talked me through the procedure. And so she coordinated all this for me. Mm. And then she just sat there and held my hand as we went into theatre. And she was the first person I saw when I woke up. And she was just amazing. That little bit of a gesture just made the world of difference. Um, just, yeah, I was completely sort of unaware that I'd be that anxious being a patient on, when on I've been in side, work in yeah. hospitals all the time. So yeah. that, that I, I wish I'd remember her name because I would have liked to have sent her something, but um, she was really amazing, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's something too, and I know we're, we're going to chat about um, the importance, I guess, between clinical care and, you know, a good bedside manner effectively. And, and like, you've recently won uh, one of the Northern Health Quarterly Awards for Clinical Excellence. You were nominated yep. for that. Congratulations. Thank you. But one of the things that came out of those nominations was, even though it was for clinical excellence, they were citing your bedside manner and your caring nature and your compassion. And it really is one of those things that needs to be tied so closely. You can't really have one without the other. You know, the, working with neonates, we we are working with one of the most vulnerable populations of patients. Um, and they can deteriorate very quickly they can be very subtle. I like to think of us as, you know, as detectives most days because they can't tell me what's wrong with them. You know, we have to use our, we have to look for the subtle things. So it does take a lot of skill and a lot of knowledge. Mm. Um, and you have to know your stuff when you're working with these babies. But you've also got to remember that this is a baby and this is a mother. And she rocked up today to have her baby, not knowing this was going to happen, that her baby was going to be unwell. She might have had a traumatic delivery, you know. So there, we've got to remember this is a family unit. This is not just a baby. Babies come with parents. So we do try to really make an emphasis with being family, what we call family-centred care. 
which is really reminding ourselves that, you know, yes, we are a caregiver. Yes, we might be the primary clinician for this baby, but those parents are also caregivers and sometimes we have to teach them how to be a caregiver. Mm. So compassion is a big part of it. I've been a mum. I've had babies. Um, You know, it really is those little things that when you're in hospital that you remember. You know, I've had parents say, say to me that they remembered that nurse who gave them the first cuddle or they remember that doctor who explained that test to them beautifully so they really understood what was going on. So I do try to just keep that in the back of my mind. This is a mum, this is a dad who's scared. They don't know what's going on and it's our job to just keep that, you know, because we do get busy and we just need to get things done sometimes. But sometimes we just have to take those few minutes out and just really sit down with the parents and make sure they understand what's going on, get them involved, get them to hold their baby while we do the procedure and just really remember this is a baby and their mother and their father, their parents. Um, So I think compassion definitely when you're working with babies and children is 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 a huge part of it. And I guess the the investment from um, Northern Health as well in the neonatal nurse practitioners as well is is testament to the the fact that, you know, we want to be able to give that specialised care to to families that need it or, you know, to patients that need it when when they're actually in the throes of it. Yeah. up, up to their elbows. Absolutely. In, in and I think, you know, the, I think that's a real benefit of the nurse practitioner role is that we are the constant expert there. You know, we don't rotate in and out like the medical team. Um, so we are there. You know, I mean, I've been at the Northern for 10 years. I know this place and I've been doing this job for nearly 19. So um, I think the nurse practitioner role, it does bring that really that next level of experience and expertise and just that familiarity, you know. A lot of us now, we, you know, I can look at a baby and tell you if they're unwell, you know, just by the way they look. Um, and that just comes with time and experience and I think that's where the nurse practitioner role comes in. Yeah, and then yep. you're able to impart that through the education side of your Absolutely. job as well. That's so good. What are you watching at the moment? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if anything. Yeah, if, it depends. You know, yeah, how busy you are asleep, you actually... <laughs> I've got it running in you know, earpods. It depends on my mood. So my husband will laugh at me. There's this um, when I need to de-stress and to get my head out of work, I will watch some trashy TV series. And my husband hates it because he hates those things. Um, so we'll fight for the TV for these things. But it's usually something like, you know, the Housewives of Beverly Hills or the Kardashians or something that's just, it's brain numbing. It doesn't, I don't have to think too hard about it. It makes me laugh. It's fun to watch. Um, but it just, it just dulls the brain down a little bit. Um, if not that, I love a good murder mystery, you know, good crime documentary, yep. something like that. Yeah. Or cartoons. Depends what the kids are watching, really, isn't it? (laughs) If you could have a superpower, what would it be? So I am a major Harry Potter fan. I'm one of the OGs of Harry Potter world. Um, I was the crazy nuts that were at the bookstore at midnight the night before the release waiting for the books to come out, camping out. So I think if I could have a superpower, I'd want to be a secret witch or wizard that, you know, doesn't know it yet. And someone's going to come and tell me I'm a witch or a wizard and I'm going to get a wand. It'd make my day so much easier if I could do a bit of magic here and there, <laughs> you know. It can make my day a lot faster. I can get things done quicker. I'd be very efficient. So <laughs> that would be my superpower is I get a wand and we get some magic going. <laughs> well, it's certainly been magic chatting with you today and I, I really do appreciate your time. I know it's been a particularly busy day, so thank you so much for coming. No, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I think the way that you as a nurse practitioner care for these neonates and their families and help to educate and model techniques that really help set them up for their lives together is exemplary.
you've gained the highest level of respect from your peers and patients alike for your compassion and fearless determination even when you're faced with some really difficult situations. Perhaps when describing you we could change the old adage to cool head, warm heart because that's what it takes to be a good nurse practitioner. And even though you have a nemesis or two with the sourdough and the macarons, I'd love to hear some more about your nan's secret recipes, but sadly, visiting hours are over. Thank you. Thank you so much, Stephen. I appreciate it. You're welcome anytime. If you'd like to join the team here or find out any other information about the services or programs or research that's happening at Northern Health, head on over to the website at www.nh.org.au. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you'll visit with us again soon.